Each week as we gather together, we worship together uh, in prayer. That's part of our uh, time of, uh, of worship of God together. So I invite you to, wherever you are, uh, go to the Lord with me in prayer. God of all comfort, yours is the steady hand that rests upon your people to accomplish all your will and purposes in this world. Though the nations rage and the earth tremble, we will not fear, for we know that you are ever near to us and always at hand to bring comfort and peace to your children. Forgive us, Lord, for seeking comfort in these anxious times from sources other than you. By your Holy Spirit, capture our heart's attention again and captivate our affections for you. Lord Jesus, we continue to trust in you. Daily we give ourselves in faith to you who died and rose again that we might be right with the Father. Assure our hearts today of the certain salvation we have by faith in your name. Lord, in so many places your church is meeting, even as they are dispersed. We have had to settle for worship supplements in the face of our temporary inability to assemble as we desire. Jesus, would you be the salve to our burdened hearts in this time? Enliven our passion for the hope that we have in you. Embolden our speech and action as emissaries of your grace and the truth of eternal life and hope today that we have in your name. We pray that you would guard your church wherever and however she meets to worship you around the globe today. We pray for our brothers and sisters at Iglesia Bautista Betania Central and their pastor, Hilcias Barrios. We lift up to your grace and mercy, New City Christian Church and their pastor, Nate Bush. Our prayer for them is that you would cause them to have perseverance to endure these strange times. Strengthen their pastors, their elders and leaders for the task of shepherding their churches in the days that are ahead. Grant your church in every place peace of heart and mind and joy as we look forward to our assembling in person again soon. Today, Lord, I pray for the members of our church at First West as we gather to worship digitally. This is new and uncomfortable for us. We're accustomed to the warm and encouraging nature of our fellowship in worship. I ask that you would be especially near to those who feel particularly isolated today. Remind them, first of all, of your your constant presence. By the words of Scripture, speak to their souls in edifying ways. Second, Father, move us to each make the effort to care in meaningful ways to our brothers and sisters who may be elderly, who may be in need, or may be feeling the sharp pangs of the absence of their church family. And as often as we think of one another, may you cause us to reach out with a phone call, with a text, an email, to share a prayer, to give comfort, to offer sincere ministry to one another. In these anxious times, Lord, make us to be compassionate and willing servants to our neighbors and friends. We who know the love of Christ stand best able to meet the challenges of the day as ambassadors for our Savior. So grant grace to those who are listening and who are worshiping with us. Father, be glorified in our hearts and lives. King Jesus, be the center of our vision and our heart's delight. Holy Spirit, even as we are dispersed, cause us to worship in spirit and in truth today. This we pray in the strong name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Well, wherever you are and wherever you're gathered, I invite you to take your copy of God's Word and open it to Ephesians chapter 1, verses 
1 and 2. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Book in the New Testament, a little bit after the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, and you've got 1 and 2 Corinthians, Galatians, and then Ephesians. Initially, we were scheduled to celebrate our church's 30th anniversary uh, today, March 22nd. But uh, obviously, situation being what uh, it is, we, we're, we're not able to celebrate that way or the way that we'd like to today. So we're postponing that celebration. And in, in the place of the passage that I would have uh, planned to preach, I would like to bring to us a word of uh, hope and encouragement from Ephesians 1. As I stand here to deliver this sermon to you, and as you sit to watch or to listen to it, we all do so under what are definitely strange circumstances. With the COVID-19 outbreak here in the early months of 2020, we face a unique challenge for our generation. In times of national crisis like September 11th, 2001, or the financial collapse of 2008, 2009, even further back during the, the, the era of the Cold War, our impulse, especially as Christians, has been to gather together. Because we know that we, we thrive spiritually when we come together to pray and to sing and to worship around the Word of God. But right now, our governing officials are asking us to do what is counterintuitive. And to avoid gathering, to avoid assembling. I'll be honest with you, I, I hate this. It isn't natural for me. <laughs> I hope it doesn't feel natural for you either, Christian. But for the common good and to demonstrate that we love and care for our neighbors, that we are civil and respectful citizens of our nation and our city, we're going to meet this way online for the next few weeks. And even as unnatural as this is, and as awkward as it is for me to preach to what is virtually an empty room, I'm praying and trusting that this time of intentional distancing will inspire in us a greater love for the privilege that we have of gathering together in person every week. I pray that our time apart will cause our hearts to ache for the day when we will be together again soon. A fellow pastor said it best in a text that he sent to me earlier this week. When he said, I'm looking forward to the physical gathering of our church on the other side of this. So that when we do, we get a little foretaste of the sweet reunion we'll have with all the saints and with our Lord Jesus in the resurrection. So today I call our attention to and I greet you with the words of the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Now it is our pattern to stand together as we read God's Word. And so wherever you are listening, I'd ask you to stand as we read this Word together. Ephesians 1, verses 1 and 2. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. You may be seated. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Here in these first two verses, Paul greets his friends at the church in the ancient city of Ephesus with words of grace and peace from both God the Father and God the Son, Jesus Christ. What I want for us to be encouraged by and encouraged to understand and to live out today from these two verses is this simple truth, that receivers of great gifts 
are givers of great, great gifts. Receivers of great gifts are givers of great gifts. I want us this morning to be encouraged by the knowledge that we have of the grace and peace that we have received in, from God through Jesus and to be emboldened to extend these gifts of grace and peace to others in these our anxious times. Let's look first at the content of Paul's greeting here in verse 2 of Ephesians. This greeting, which appears actually in every single one of Paul's 13 letters in the New Testament, is not a common greeting. Usually, ancient Roman letter writers would simply state their name, the name of the person or people that they're addressing a letter to, and, and say a simple generic uh, greeting like, greetings, uh, uh, maybe, maybe peace to you, but most often just greetings, but here not Paul. The Holy Spirit, through him, greets the church of Jesus Christ quite more significantly than just greetings. Grace to you, says Paul. The Greek word he uses here for grace is charis. It has a range of meaning that includes mercy and unmerited kindness or generosity. It shares its root with the word charisma, which in Greek means gift. Grace to you, says Paul. Paul uses the word grace 12 times in this letter to the Ephesians. In some places, he uses it to refer to the unmerited, the undeserved kindness of God toward us in our sin as he offers us salvation through faith in Jesus. We read in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, In Him, in Christ, we have redemption, that is, rescue from sin, through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, again, Paul says, It is by grace, it is by the unmerited favor of God that you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. In other places, Paul uses the word grace, uses that Greek word charis to uh, speak of the gift of God to him to preach the gospel. And the gifts, the spiritual gifts that God has given to the church for doing the work of ministry uh, among each other and in the world. Paul uses also this word grace to speak about how we ought to speak to one another. He says in Ephesians 4 verse 29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. You know, it strikes me that grace is a thing extraordinarily lacking in our social interactions today. And social media has given us all sorts of what I call keyboard courage to say to others online what we would never dare say to their faces. And yet it is grace that we so deeply long for. What well, one of us has never offended or insulted someone that we loved and desperately sought their forgiveness? What is it that we long to receive from them for the pain that we have caused? But grace, mercy in response to sin, undeserved kindness and the gift of restored relationship. What well, one of us has never been on the fringes of the in-group, just outside the circle of belonging, and, and longed to be brought into community? What is it in that situation that we have longed for most but the kind offer of friendship, of grace to belong and to be loved? Grace is this thing that we so deeply long for as human beings, 
And yet in our sinful human nature, grace is something that we, all too hesitant, we, we are all too hesitant to give. Grace to you, says Paul. But that's not the only content of his message. He goes on further. And peace, he adds. Grace to you and peace. This word in Greek, Irene, is the word from which we get the female name, Irene. It's a Greek substitute for the Hebrew word shalom, which means a state of completeness, of rightness, of tranquility and peace. It is a way of saying, may everything be just as it ought to be and no less. Peace, though, is a hard thing to come by. Our lives are often so busy that the word tranquility is more likely to hit our ears as, as being more likely a perfume or a cologne name than it is a state of calm and completeness. The world in which we live has known almost constant warlike conflict in some corner of the globe or another our entire lives and even longer. Even the very devices that we carry in our pockets, which promise to put all of our life at ease as they manage our schedules and exercise patterns, they themselves betray the peace that they offer with the incessant dinging of notifications and text and email alerts and reminders to breathe. You know, this last week has been fairly stressful for me, as I'm certain it has been for you. Early last Monday morning, I left the house to head to our men's morning prayer meeting. And I said goodbye to my wife in the dark as I left the house. I called her later that morning and she said to me on the phone, I could tell you were really stressed when you left the house this morning. I asked her, how? How do you know that? It was, it was dark. You were half asleep. How could you know I was stressed? She told me, it's how you breathe. Every so often you breathe in really, really deeply and exhale really hard. It's all over you, she said. This, friends, is not evidence of a peaceful pastor. It is not the fruit of a servant of shalom. And as I worked my way through the week with all of the unanswered questions of the many weeks that still lie ahead of us, all I really wanted all week long was for things to be the way that they should be and no less to be complete. I needed peace. You did too. And in these anxious times, we still do. Even now, as we worship divided, we feel the vacuum of shalom. As our neighbors worry about whether they'll be able to get groceries and prescription medications. And as strangers hoard all of the nation's bottled water and toilet paper. As fights break out in supermarket lines, our souls cry out, this isn't how it should be. Peace is the condition that our hearts long for. For everything, everything to be just the way it ought to be and no less. And yet peace is the condition that we seem so utterly unable to create. Peace to you, says Paul. How is it that Paul can so confidently wish upon the church these two things that seem to be so impossible to obtain or to create, grace and peace? He does so through the source of these two things, the source of true grace, the source of true peace. Paul can extend these, 
greetings of grace and peace, not because he is the sender of grace and peace or the creator of them, but because the only good and holy God of the universe is. Paul says, grace to you and peace, not from me, not from the apostle, not from Peter, not from John, grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Grace, we have said, is this gift that we long for, long to have, but cannot obtain. It is this thing that we struggle to give, even though we know how necessary it is. And yet it is God who gives grace most freely and most perfectly. The grace of God, His unmerited kindness and mercy, comes to us not when we were at our best, but when we were at our worst. Ephesians chapter 2, as Paul continues in his letter, begins by reminding the church that when they previously lived according to the desires of their own hearts, that they were dead in their sin and that they were the rightful recipients. They deserved God's wrath. They were fundamentally at war with God because of their sin against Him. This reality is true for each of us as well, friends. Yet Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 goes on to say that even though they were dead in their trespasses and sins, uh, children of wrath like the rest of mankind, but God, Ephesians 2 verse 4, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. God's grace comes to us not when we are at our best, but when we were at our worst. And the grace that Paul greets the church at Ephesus with is nothing short of, uh, of a wish, of a prayer, of a granting of the continuation of God's freely given and infinitely merciful forgiveness of the sins that we have offended Him by. Friends, only God can give this kind of grace to us. Only God can totally absorb the offense of our sin against Him in the death of His Son, Jesus. And only God can offer us forgiveness as we simply trust our lives to Christ. Friend, as you're listening to this today, as you're watching me on your screen, have you received God's grace? Have you laid your life in the merciful hands of God by receiving the death of Jesus for your sins and His resurrection through faith in Him? If not yet, friend, you may do so today. You may be saved today. You may receive God's grace today simply by expressing to God through prayer in, in, the, in the words that you know best to say to Him in your heart, expressing to God the sorrow that you have for your sin and in your own heart committing yourself to Jesus, His Son, as the Lord of your life. Friend, if you're watching today and you're making a decision to follow Jesus for the first time, to receive God's grace by trusting Christ for the first time, please let us know. Call our church this week. Email us through our website. Let us know that you have come to trust Christ today so that we can follow up with you and help you to walk in the grace that God has given you tomorrow and each day ahead. Peace, we have said is that condition our hearts long for. And peace is that condition yet, that, that, that we are yet incapable of creating on our own. And yet it is peace, it is tranquility, it is shalom, completeness that God has made for us and between us in Jesus. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 14 and 16, that he himself, speaking of Christ Jesus, he himself is our peace. 
who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. Very simply here in these verses, Paul is addressing the conflict that used to exist between Jews and Gentiles as they were learning how to be Christians together. But Jesus, being the crucified and risen Savior for all men, has put that hostility between Jews and Gentiles, he's put that hostility to rest when he died on the cross for the sins of all peoples, Jew or Gentile. Because there is one Savior, there is peace between warring peoples who come together around faith in that one Savior, in Jesus. So often when we live life trusting only ourselves, we have this sense of always looking over our shoulder to make sure no one is behind us ready to stab us in the back. In a life like this, there are no real relationships. There are no securities. There's no space to breathe. There's no space to be vulnerable. There is, in this kind of life, no shalom. There is no peace. But in Christ, dear friend, there is peace. There is comfort. There is shalom. There is first peace with God as Jesus, the Son of God, reconciles us to the Father whom we have offended by our sin. And there is yet second peace with others as we see them through the lens of the grace that we have received in Jesus. There is third, peace of mind, peace of heart, as we know that God has made shalom, completeness, tranquility between us and himself. Dear friend, do you long for peace in this anxious time? Pray that you may find it by returning in faith and trust in Jesus. Dear Christian, let your soul breathe in the grace and peace that only God can give to you through Jesus. We've seen the content and the source of, the, of these greetings, the content being grace and peace to you, the source being God the Father and the Son, Jesus Christ. But we see also this truth to us displayed in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 2, and it is this, that recipients of these great gifts are also to be givers of great gifts. I want us to notice finally that though it is God who is the source of these great gifts of grace and of peace, that it is Paul, a man like you or me, who is extending these gifts to others. This great truth underlies what we see in this verse. As God gives to us his grace and peace, he does so in order that we might extend them to others. Of course, we cannot provide the gift of redemption. We cannot provide the gift of total forgiveness of sins. Only God can do that. But as those who have been forgiven of our sins, we can forgive others generously, knowing the grace that God has given to us. As those who have received the unmerited kindness of God and the gift of His friendship, we can then in turn extend kindness, love, mercy, friendship, and generosity to those who are around us, both in the church and outside the church, both Christian and not yet Christian alike. It is in times like what we face currently that what we have in Christ is so valuable to a world that does not know it. As Christians, we are currently living in a time of unprecedented opportunity to extend the grace of God to a hurting and an anxious world. So Christian 
be an extender of grace this week. You may choose to extend the grace of God to your neighbors in the days and weeks ahead by doing several things, praying for them, delivering groceries to them, picking up needed medications, and most especially sharing with them the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. Extend the kindness and care of God to other members of our church this week, I pray. Those who are lonely, those who are elderly and more, rest, uh, more strictly confined, uh, reach out to them in the days ahead. You know, a phone call and a caring prayer with someone goes a long way to show that God is gracious to His people through His people. So be agents of grace, dear church, because in anxious times like this, our neighbors are longing for it. Likewise, we have now occasion to extend the peace that we have from God with an anxious world. Because we know Christ, we can smile in the face of the storm. We can breathe deeply, though we are buffeted from all sides by the travails of life. So, Christian, be, agent, be an agent of peace in the weeks ahead by avoiding panic, by rejecting hysteria as a response to what is going on. Be an agent of peace by seeking to build bridges of trust with your neighbors rather, rather than uh, uh, widening chasms of skepticism. Offer help. Be courteous. Smile. Speak often of Jesus, who himself is our peace. Be agents of peace, Christians, because the hearts of all the world are beating for it. Dear church, my heart is heavy today with all that is necessary for navigating our current situation. I'm tired, as I'm certain that you are as well, from all of the planning, the working, the thinking about how to lead and to live through the next several weeks. Let us not in all this time forget the gracious words of Jesus who gave this invitation who in Matthew eleven twenty eight said, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest, peace, comfort, grace. Until we gather again, which I pray is much sooner than later, I'll leave you as I greeted you. As Paul left the church in Ephesus, the same way that he greeted them. He greets them saying, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And he leaves them this way. Ephesians 6 verse 23 and 24. Peace be to the brothers and sisters and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. I so badly want to meet with you again face to face, to open God's word and to share it in person, to hear your voices singing songs of praise to our God in heaven, to our Savior, Jesus Christ. I long badly to take the Lord's Supper again with you, to share in that memorial meal of Christ's body broken, his blood spilled for our forgiveness and redemption. That day is coming soon.
We trust and pray and hope in God that it will. But until then, grace to you and peace. Dear church, I love you. I'm praying for you. We'll be continuing to reach out to you day by day, week by week, and whatever comes ahead. Know that you can always call on us for whatever you may need. And there are church members who are ready to serve you in whatever you may need ahead. Let us be agents of grace and peace in our world as we go. Pray with me. Gracious God, you who give us all peace, guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Holy Spirit, give us the endurance and perseverance we need for getting through the next several weeks together. Give us all wisdom and discernment and enable us to be servants of the gospel in the world as it is today. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you.